Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of April 22nd, 2021, including Xbox Live continues to be neutered as more games become free-to-play online, Microsoft won't be buying Discord or Square Enix after all, Project xCloud is starting to roll out on iOS and PC, and more. Welcome to episode 98 of Xbox On, the Animal Kingdom episode. As we all know, I'm sure it's common knowledge, Disney's Animal Kingdom opened up on Earth Day 1998, and hey, this episode of the podcast goes live on April 22nd, which is Earth Day, so this is not only an Earth Day episode of the podcast, which doesn't really matter, but it's more importantly... A podcast that's releasing on the 23rd birthday of Disney's Animal Kingdom, their zoological theme park that I think we can all agree is by far their most uh, beautiful theme park, at least here in Florida. So definitely had to put that out there. I mean, after all, it's an Xbox podcast. How could we not mention that? But yes, welcome to another exciting week of Xbox On. Uh, Now, I need to just jump right in this week and tell you there's a lot of corrections, little things, murmurings, rumors... Things we need to point out at the top of the show this week before we can jump into our regular run. So, without further ado, let's just jump into it. First of all, I need to just... This is a straight-up correction I need to make. My brother and Mr. Miggy both pointed this out, something I was very wrong about last week. So, here's here's what Mr. Miggy wrote. He says, wanted to add that PS4 games that are on PlayStation Now can be downloaded to the console, hence why I made the comparison between PlayStation Now and Game Pass. So, yeah, last week, in, in a rant about to Mr. Miggy about how, you know, Game Pass and PS Now aren't really comparable services. You can't really compare how one's lagging behind the other because they're both totally different services. I totally forgot and failed to mention that, yes, PlayStation 4 games can be downloaded to a PlayStation 5 console through PlayStation Now, similar to Game Pass. So, yes, if you have PlayStation Now and you're a PlayStation 5 gamer, you can technically download games to your console. You don't have to stream them, but it's limited to PS4 games. They have a shitty library and it's just still not the same thing because, I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend this point to the end because what makes Game Pass special isn't that you can play Xbox One games on your Xbox Series X. What makes you know Game Pass and backwards compatibility so special is that you can play older, increasingly obscure generations of games on your newer Xbox. So, you know, backwards compatibility, we expect our Xbox One games to work on Game Pass, and they do, and to work on our new Xbox consoles, and they do. But what's cool about Game Pass and backwards compatibility and everything on Xbox is we can go back and play obscure Xbox 360 and original Xbox games on our Series X because that's what Xbox does, is they preserve it all. The problem with PlayStation is, like, we're not all clamoring to get access to Battlefield 5 on PlayStation uh, 5. You know, we're not like, oh man, remember that little gem from 2018 called Battlefield 5? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could play that again on our PlayStation 5s now, you know? Like, wouldn't, it's just, god man, what a what a forgotten game to time, is that we can't, you know, Battlefield 5, EA's, EA's magnum opus, you know, we'll we'll never get access to that game again, no, what we want on PlayStation now is access to, like, Ratchet Deadlock, and fucking Spyro 3, and 
siphon filter. Like, this is the shit people want access to. We want to play the PlayStation 1 games, the PlayStation 2 games, the PlayStation 3 games. Why the fuck is Insomniac allowed to tweet all day, every day about the Resistance franchise and then not not only not make a new Resistance game or a Resistance HD collection or whatever, but they just won't even let you play Resistance on PlayStation Now in any capacity, whether it's downloading it or or streaming it. And so these are the kinds of things where I'm talking about like why the comparison can't be drawn. So yes, is it a step in the right direction and does Sony deserve recognition? And was I wrong last week? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, you can download PlayStation 4 games to your PS5 or, or PS4, uh, or I think just PS5, I'm not sure, whatever, um, through PlayStation Now. So yes, that ne- credit needs to be given there. Still don't care. Still not a big deal. Go go ahead, play Bloodborne on your PS5 because you download off PS Now. You fucking nerd, I dare you. Now next, something I want to throw out there, and the only reason, let me just say, the only reason I'm going to throw this out here is because there have been so many examples in recent history where like, I'm like, oh, that's that's fake, that's ro- rumor bullshit, I'm not putting that on the show, and then like the thing actually happens, I'm like, oh, oops, probably should have reported on that, um, so fuck it, we're going to bring this one up. I think this is most likely fake. I don't think this is real. I don't like I've seen people in games media point out that this is not real, but nonetheless, we're bringing it up. Adria uh, Piccini uh, on Twitter. I don't know who that is. It's uh, it's not like uh, no offense to her, but it's not. This is not some um, like notable YouTuber or influencer or media personnel. This is just a person on Twitter says that Sony is limiting Resident Evil 8 versions on Xbox Series X to not run at higher resolutions. The marketing agreement between Sony and Capcom indicates that Sony is blocking Resident Evil 8 from coming into Game Pass. And then they this person posted screenshots of like contractual clauses and things like that, which basically show that Sony, you know, in the marketing agreement, which does exist between Sony and Capcom for Resident Evil 8, basically showing things that they're saying the the wording suggests that they wouldn't be able to put the game on subscription services a la game pass or that they wouldn't be able to you know spec up the game to its fullest potential in a way that makes it that makes the game look and run better on a console that is not the console in which the game has a marketing agreement to be associated with so again a lot of people are pointing out that this is fake this is not true but I wanted to report on it just in case, just in case we're wrong here. And in a week or two, this is all over the news and people are throwing a fit because then for once I won't be uh, missing the boat on something. But I, I do just want to point out the only, the only way I can see to this is that the only way I can see this being even remotely true is just the fact that Sony is a little petty with how they like to lock down their exclusive content and shit. I mean, see Call of Duty and Destiny, for examples on that. And also... I mean, we do know Sony and Capcom have a, a decent enough marketing tie-in for, or relationship for this game because, I mean, Resident Evil 8 already had a demo that was only for PlayStation 5. It wasn't even for PS4. It was only for PS5. So because of this marketing agreement between Sony and Resident Evil, or Capcom, rather, the publishers and makers of Resident Evil, um, there's already been <laughs> a fulfillment where you can play a demo of this game, but only if you're one of the few lucky f- freaks out there who managed to get your hands on a PS5 uh, despite the chip shortages and reseller constraints. So only those elite few have access to the demo. No one on PS4, no one on Xbox per an agreement with Sony and Capcom. So that's the only kind of historical lead up to this that like lends any real credence. But 
I just want to put this out there, put a little pin in it. If this does become a real thing, then uh, whatever. That means I mentioned it, I was timely, I was cool, and you guys know all that about me. Um, so that was the other thing we need to point out and bring to light before we jump into the news this week and everything there. And I guess that's not, it wasn't that many, but that that was it. I just need to get those two things off my chest, need to get those out in the air. So I thought we would go through that real quick. Okay, guys, so that's done. We're happy. We're good. Okay. Now, with that said, I, I want to ask you, you know, we're, we're easing into the podcast this week. How many of you guys are uh, planning on watching Mortal Kombat this weekend, huh? Looks like people are pretty excited about it. You know, this is my last week before I got to cancel my HBO Max subscription. I'm thinking, might watch Mortal Kombat. What do you think about that? All right, with that said, guys, let's jump into the comments, shoutouts, and whatnot for this week's episode. Remember, you can always head over to YouTube.com, uh, look up Second Best Gaming. That's my YouTube channel. Don't click on the Cars 3 gameplay videos from years ago. Please don't. And then look at the Xbox on Playlist. That's where you'll see the podcast uploaded. You can click on the latest episode, leave nice comments, say things like, I bet Jesse could eat a lot of frozen pizza and not even look fat afterwards. And, you know, you say something nice like that, you get your comment right on the air. Or you can say something mean, uh, like, uh, I'm Lethal Migraine, and I hate everything you have to say. And uh, you're dumb, and everything you like is dumb, and the world is dumb. You know, either way, you'll probably get right on the air. I'm desperate for comments, as we know. So go ahead and do that. But let's start out this week's comments with a, a sequel, a part two to the Taco Bell sister saga. You may remember last week, Corey Long wrote in telling us about... Uh, her adventures in the Taco Bell drive-thru, or trying to do split orders through the drive-thru, an associate giving her some some resistance, and then having to loop back around and order 15 menu items. So here we are for part two. Um, that was the previously on, and here's the continuation. Corey Long says, I am back with the rest of my story. My sister had her own order first before we looped back around. I brought home chicken quesadillas. Now, remember, I, I asked Corey to tell us, you ordered 15 items. What the fuck did you possibly order? So here we go. Here's the haul, okay? I brought home chicken quesadillas, Crunchwrap Supremes, chicken, of course. Thank you. Cinnabon Bites, Cinnamon Twists, Soft Shell Tacos, and the rest were five-layer burritos. I bust through the door announcing my bountiful outing. The rest is history. My significant other, cousin, and two children helped me eat a large sum of the items. I saved a couple for lunch the following day. Good thing it happened when it did. I have the Rona. My sense of taste and smell have disappeared two days down. Okay, well, first of all, Corey, I'm sorry to hear that you have coronavirus, and I'm really hoping that, you know, you do well and that this is over soon. Hopefully by the time we're even recording this or that you're hearing this, you're already well over the hump and you're on the mend. So let us know how that goes. Please do keep us updated on how you're feeling. Hope that you get the most mild case of covid you possible this kind of sucks like for first dead captain james and now and now you it's i feel bad because it's like here we are at the point where like the vaccine's finally becoming readily available to everyone and like we're starting to get numbers really down and it feels like things are starting to look a little better but i feel like anecdotally i'm just coming across more people now than I ever have who are like, yeah, I got COVID. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, numbers are down. People are getting vaccinated. And just now I'm really starting to come into communication with a lot of people who are like, yeah, I just got COVID. Not, like not all last year where the world was on fire, but this year now I'm getting COVID. So that sucks. That out of the way, all the well wishes and everything out of the way. Now it's time to grill you a little bit because here's the deal. You had my respect last week when you said I ordered 15 items from Taco Bell. And don't get me wrong here. You, get, you said you got chicken quesadillas, Crunchwrap Supremes with chicken, of course. You know, that's big bonus points there. That's 
Big brownie points for substituting the beef for chicken. You know, you know that's the way to go. That's some A plus work right there. But here's we here's where you lose it. Cinnab- Cinnabon bites, cinnamon twists, and soft shell tacos. The le- the rest were five layer burritos. Five layer burritos, respectable order. But come on, man, you got cinnamon bite, cinnabon bites, cinnamon twists, and soft shell tacos. You know damn well. You know, let's just let's just guess. Let's say you did two orders of cinnabon bites three cinnamon twists and five soft shell tacos. I don't fucking know. You know, let's, let's guess like 10 items of that were, you know, whatever. I'm going to be honest with you, Corey. I don't know why, and I don't know how you could justify this, but those, you know, those seven to 10 items that, that are composed of various cinnamon desserts and, and soft shell tacos should have been chicken chalupa Supremes. And you know it. And here we are having the conversation and now you're in the hot seat and everyone listening to the podcast is thinking the same thing. Why was the chalupa not worthy enough for your 15-item order? You had you had 15 items, and you couldn't manage one single chalupa in there. You had two cinnamon-flavored items, two different cinnamon items in this 15-item order, but you couldn't muster a single chicken chalupa supreme. And I'm not trying to say that makes you, like, the devil or anything, but I don't know. I think Satan would have gotten the chicken chalupa at least. But, uh... Thank you for sharing and elaborating, expounding on that. Another thing I had to say is the fact that I also had a lot of respect for you that you got 15 items from Taco Bell and you were going to go home and take it like a champ. But no, you had to go and share it with your family. And that's and that's the other part where you lose me. Now, next, we got to follow up on another thing, a question I posed to the audience last week, which was cheese on a sandwich. What is your preferred cheese? And I should have I should have also extended and said, not only what is your preferred or go-to cheese for sandwiches, but like what are the types of sandwiches you're pairing with these cheeses? Because you, listen, you're not going to go out and make a grilled cheese sandwich using fucking pepper jack. You're just not, okay? You're not going to go out there and make a prime rib sandwich and be like, oh yeah, with Swiss cheese. You just, it's not, it's not what you, or you're not going to go out there and be like, oh yeah, we're making a, um, we're making a prime rib sandwich with a cheddar. You're just not doing this. This is, this is not how it's done. So I, failure on my part, but nonetheless, a couple of you did write in, and I want to I want to bring some attention to it. Wes H says Jesse doesn't say Jesse. The comment actually reads: Pepper Jack is pretty objectively the ultimate sandwich and wrap cheese. Now burger, you'll want to do more of a cheddar. See where I just got the idea for those two cheeses. Uh, you'll want to do more of a cheddar, but don't sleep on pimento cheese on a burger. Pretty great. Now American cheese is death, bro. What are you twelve? All right, Wes. Two things. Pimento cheese, I I want to tell you, yes, you're right, I have a problem, I shouldn't be eating American cheese as a grown-ass adult, but at the same time, you you just defended pimento on a cheeseburger, which means a couple things, it means you're a fucking hipster, which means you're probably that kind of guy who puts like, uh, like spicy pimento cheese and like bacon jam and all that kind of hipster bullshit on your burgers, and it also means that you've invalidated your insult towards me or levy towards me about American cheese. Now, that's not entirely true. You are right. And and I got to be honest with you, Wes. Last week, when I mentioned my thing about enjoying American cheese on my sandwich, I was a little embarrassed to admit it because I, I knew it was a childish thing. I knew I was making myself a, su- a subject to attack and I was insecure about it. But here you go, insulting me. And I'm not mad at you for it. I think it's deservedly so, but you're, you're now going to attack me for consuming American cheese to this day as a grown adult, despite the fact that you're defending pimento cheese on a burger. So if I'm a 12-year-old, you're fucking hipster trash. That's all I'm saying. 
Now, pepper jack cheese or cheddar cheese, those are respectable choices. Pepper jack on a sandwich on a wrap, good choice. Cheddar on a burger, good choice. But I got to be honest with you, American cheese on a burger, it's a damn good combination. Listen, Wes, I don't know where you live, but the reason why I say that is because I don't know if you have access to Publix. And anyone who has access to Publix shopping market knows you go to the Publix deli, you get a Publix sub, you get the chicken tender sub, and it's fantastic with some smoked Gouda on top, but it's not bad with some white American cheese either. So I'm saying, you put a little bit on your public sub, no one's going to look, no one's going to know. The IRS isn't going to audit you or anything, just go ahead, do it. Just do it. You go, you go to the fast food restaurant, you put a little American cheese. What do you think most fast food cheese for burgers is it's 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 some weird it's some weird hybrid cheese that's predominantly based on american or it's it's like some form of american cheese so you just tell me every mcdonald's hamburger is fucking baby food you, you call my gerber now wes see i can twist it around until i i justify my stance i don't need your criticism now lethal migraine says at fresh time they have whatever that is at fresh time they have cheese from boar's head that is horseradish cheddar. It's incredible. All right, guys. And with that said, Wes, I formally owe you an apology because you are not hipster trash. Lethal migraine is the hipster trash. That that sentence right there, lethal migraine, not only explains why you why you are hipster trash, but it explains also why you hate on everything that everyone says. And it's because you just had to like the unpopular thing. In fact, that's probably why you're an Xbox gamer is because it is the least, even though Microsoft and Xbox are incredibly successful and big, it is the least popular of the console brands. Is, th- is this what I'm getting at? Le- am I getting at something here, Lethal Migraine? You literally just said Boar's Head has a horseradish cheddar cheese. As the, as the self-proclaimed resident foodie of the podcast, I'm kindly asking you to shoot me in the face. Now... Moving on from cheese, and all you lactose intolerant listeners will be relieved to learn that, Count Scotula is going to get his own little his own little time. This, this little block here is called Count Scotula Time Heart Emoji. And the comment reads, it's one of those bullet point comments, so get ready. It's going to be a little sporadic. But Count Scotula says, yeah, Microsoft's spending on Game Pass literally hurts my brain. I'm glad I'm not the accountant that green that greenlighted this rampage they've been on. If it goes south, they might lose more than just their job. Next, I have been to Pop Century, Disney's Pop Century Resort, of course, the greatest hotel in all time. I went as soon as they opened the Disney Skyliner. That was back in 2019. The Skyliner was down most of the time I was there, but it was awesome while it was running, and I ate lots of good pizza, so it's all good. So, Count Skyla, you just redeemed yourself as the favorite child. You're clearly not a hipster because you stayed at Disney's Pop Century Resort. You enjoyed the Disney Skyliner, the gondola system that will take you around Disney property from resort to resort, from theme park to theme park, on a fucking highway in the sky, but not the monorail, different highway in the sky. I love it. And then lastly, you say down downloading games is the only fully acceptable experience, but I do want an option to stream on my Xbox so I can quickly sample every game. I skip a lot of games because I don't have the storage capacity to store them or to try them out. Exactly. No, that's exactly why we need streaming on the console. It's not because anyone needs, you know, to play Shadow of the Tomb Raider streamed from their console instead of downloading it. It's precisely that. It's because our hard drives have limited space and we go, here's a game that's vaguely interesting. Let me stream it for 20 minutes. See if it see if it's interesting and see if it's good enough that I'll want to download it. And if so, then I'll go through the headache of figuring out what I need to delete, what I need to move over to an external hard drive, what needs to be done 
to make room to accommodate this download. That's exactly why we need streaming. It's it's literally like earlier this week, I played Near Automata, a game I never thought I'd play. I need game streaming so I can be like, let me play 30 minutes of this game, figure out if it's something I want to play. And if it is, then I'll figure out, you know, do I need to delete Rage 2? Do I need to delete fucking Yakuza 3, which has been sitting here waiting for me to play it, but I'm not in the, I, I, I don't have the time to invest in this franchise right now. What do I need to move around to get this thing onto my hard drive? And it'd be way easier to just stream 30 minutes, figure out if it's a game you want to even invest in, and then move on. Couldn't agree more. Now, Count Skyler, that was that was your time. That was your time to shine, and now that your time's up, we're moving on. Now, mobile game preferences. This is a next section of comments here. My brother Josiah writes in and says, When I game on my phone, I usually play SNES or Genesis games, not Candy Crush. They tend to work pretty well. Also, Crazy Taxi. So, okay, brain hurting. So that's great that you enjoy games that way, and obviously other people do as well, but that's not what mobile gaming is all about. The thing is, mobile gaming should, like, that, that's like me saying, like, I bought my Xbox so I can play uh, Xbox Live Arcade games and nothing else, and that's why I don't care about the problem with every game trying to be an open world now. It's like, no, 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 that's, that's great that you like Xbox Live Arcade games on your Series X, but that doesn't change the fact that they should make great original games for the hardware. And that's the problem with mobile is they should make great games on mobile designed to take advantage of the form factor and the power of a mobile device. And so it's cool that you can play Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on your phone. I've done it many times before because the Christian Whitehead ports of Sonic are fantastic on mobile, but that doesn't change the fact that my phone can handle something a lot more, an experience a lot more impressive than something like Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So do something cool, make something cool. Don't make some match three puzzle game bullshit with ads baked everywhere, constantly asking you to buy crystals to turn into coins, to turn into loot chests so that I can redeem rewards and rewards and hit my daily login bonuses and bullshit like that. I don't want that. Create a cool experience designed for mobile devices that makes me think of my phone as a viable place to play video games. That's what I'm talking about. And mobile devices are not that. Plus with the, the battery issue... It just means pl platforms like Nintendo Switch or PlayStation Vita are just all the more interesting because mobile is just such a clusterfuck. And then Sploge Splodge comments on the same topic saying, I only use my phone for Solitaire, Whirlybird, and Snake from the Google Games app thing. I think you mean the Google Play Store. Sploge, Sploge, Splodge, whatever your name is. I, everything I just said to my brother now aimed at you. I'm glad that you're enjoying playing Solitaire on your Android device, but again, wouldn't it be cool if someone made an actually interesting game designed to take advantage of the Snapdragon processor in your phone rather than just playing Solitaire? You know, no offense to Solitaire, but whatever, man. I, I know I'm right. That's all that matters, right? Now, our next comment section before we move into our wrap-up comments for the week, uh, I'm, I'm titling this section of comments LM, which is... a uh, Hipster abbreviation for lethal migraine. So here's a couple quotes from everyone's favorite, the uh, the LM. First saying, theme parks are like handhelds for babies. You need to move to Idaho and be a mobile-only gamer, Jesse. Lethal migraine. Lethal migraine, I know you said you've been to theme parks before, but I don't think you've been to theme parks. Because if you know anything about theme parks, you know that theme parks are basically just mobile games. I mean... You think about, like, what's a mobile game? Well, it's like you download this stupid fucking thing that takes way too much time. It's a massive inconvenience on your phone to even get on there in the first place. It takes up way too much data. 
And then it's like, oh, uh, can we hack into your phone and take all your privacy information? Yes. Uh, create an account. Okay, yes. Uh, okay, now here's how the game works. Okay, seems promising. All right, now spend money. Okay, you want to do that? Spend money. Theme parks are the same fucking thing. It's like this whole like, oh, that sounds fun thing. And then it take, it's a bitch to get there, to get ready to go there, to park there, to get into the park. All the things, all the steps required to planning and executing a successful day at a theme park. Then you get into the park and you're like, okay, now I can just chill out and have fun, right? Wrong. Theme parks are all like, okay, you like the rides? Well, why don't you give us extra money and we'll let you skip the lines? Oh, you like the, 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 the you like to eat? You like to exist? Why don't you give us $40,000 and you can have a, a watered down cocktail? Oh, you like to eat foods? Uh, what if we give you like the world's most mediocre uh, cheeseburger, but it's $14 for some stupid reason. And for 20 extra dollars, you can get a cupcake that looks like Chewbacca for some goddamn reason. That's basically the same exact model uh, for both items. So, Lethal Migraine, you're wrong. Theme parks and mobile games are basically the same thing. Also, Lethal Migraine, you say, you say I searched for Mighty Doom on the app stores, and it came up with nothing. Well, that's because it was delisted after all the news broke about it. I swear I'm not making that up. Also, you say, lastly, Sony games are utter trash, and their consoles are even worse. The only reason I owned a PlayStation was for baseball, so now that MLB The Show's on Xbox, Sony is dead to me. Well, Lethal Migraine, you can say that, but you're fucking lying. Because let me ask you first, did you play Sunset Overdrive on your Xbox One in 2014 when it came out? Yes? Of course you did, because it was fucking awesome. It's one of the best games on the Xbox One. So how the fuck are you going to like a game like Sunset Overdrive and then say PlayStation's a piece of shit console that has nothing to offer me when the guys that made the masterpiece of of a game... Uh, Sunset Overdrive are a Sony-owned studio that have made incredible games for Sony for years, like the old Spyro games and the Ratchet and Clank franchise and Resistance and, and the Resistance fran- and the Resistance franchise. And more recently, they've made the Spider the new Spider-Man games, and they've made all this other shit that's just so good. It's like I listen, man. As long as Insomniac exists and is making their games exclusively for Sony's consoles. PlayStation will always have an excuse. And that's, you know, that's beside the whole Naughty Dog, Sony Santa Monica, Sony Bend, all the other studios. Like, we can we can argue back and forth about The Last of Us and God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn. Whatever. Insomniac is objectively one of the greatest game developers of all time. They make pure fun. Their games, the, the greatest things about their games is not the storytelling or the vi- visual presentation or any of these things, which are pretty great usually in their games, especially their more modern games, but... It's the fact that they understand fun. Insomniac has that magic the way Bungie has that magic, where it's like, it doesn't fucking matter what they're making. They just know the formula for success to make a gameplay loop just so incredibly addicting and captivating. And that is an invaluable trait that even some of the best game developers don't have. Like, I would argue a developer like Rockstar Games totally lacks the ability to understand exactly why a game is so incredibly fun. And I mean, their, their games are captivating because they're just immersive and their stories are interesting. The worlds are interesting, but the most important thing about a game is for the game to be fun to play. And Insomniac, I would argue one of the absolute best studios in the world for just making fun gameplay. They understand, dude, this is an Xbox podcast. I love Xbox to death. I would argue, uh, Insomniac games understands that concept better than most Xbox studios. I would take Insomniac, I love Insomniac so much, I would trade all of ZeniMax for Insomniac. Now, that's my selfish little version of Xbox, like, if I could make it just for me. Like, I would take Insomniac games over all of ZeniMax 
Fuck Bethesda and Machine Games and, and Tango and all those fucking teams. They can fuck right off if it means we can have a, a, Insomniac on Xbox. Like, that's how much I respect that developer. So please, Lethal Migraine, tell me, how on earth can Sony and PlayStation be utter trash when they own Insomniac? Balls in your court, bitch. Now, we have two wrap-up comments, and I call this little segment uh, Mojo Miggy, because we got a comment from Mojo and a comment from Mr. Miggy. So, starting in order, Mojo says, I accept your challenge of not wanting to eat fast food after listening to Knockback's episode on the subject. And let me tell you what, Jesse, you already lost because I have the willpower of a fucking rock. Though in all seriousness, I live across the street from a Wendy's, so it'll be tough. No, it won't. Who the fuck wants Wendy's? Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. But did you hear there's a new digital Taco Bell kiosk in Times Square now that just spits tacos out at you? A literal fucking taco machine. Robot tacos. Mm. Mojo, I've not heard about this, but you have me intrigued. Uh, I, I have, I've, I've been to Times Square once in my life, and now I think I have a reason to be there a second time. Because I would love, honestly, I would love for an ATM-like machine to just shoot tacos at me. And I, I mean violently. I don't mean like, you know, like in the movies where like the ATM breaks and it's like raining money. I don't want a graceful downpour of tacos. I want like fucking batting cages pelting me with fucking tacos. I want hard shell tacos with stale shells that desperately need to be trashed to be just shot out at speeds exceeding 85 miles an hour, just pelting my bare skin because that would, that's my kink, man. Like, fuck, I I need a Taco Bell kiosk here in Orlando. Please, Lord, uh, thank you and and build it soon. Uh, Mr. Miggy says, my kitty acts the same as yours, but when I tried to get her to eat food just for cats, which it, when I tried to get her to eat just for, just for cats, which is a real food made for cats, she wouldn't eat it. Also, I don't like saying, quote, free on Game Pass because Game Pass is not free. Included with Game Pass is a better saying. Also, the Razer Kishi is really transformed playing games on phone for me, especially playing games on the cloud. Mr. McGee, this is a great comment, not just because you mentioned my cat, whom I love very, very much, but more importantly because every time I say, oh, when you can get it free on Game Pass, I'm a little, I never, I never bring it up, but I'm always a little self-conscious because exactly what you're saying. And, and you're right. I, I need to watch the way I say it because you're right. Nothing, nothing on Game Pass is free. You're paying 10 to $15 a month for Game Pass. Nothing on the service is free. It's a fantastic deal with tons and tons of value, but it's not free. You are paying money for Game Pass. It's not like the option is buy the game for 70 bucks on PlayStation or get it literally for free on Game Pass. You're, you're right. So I, I do need to be more mindful of that. It is something I think about a lot when I when I say that. And uh, I do appreciate you holding me accountable. Mr. Miggy, you're the only one you're the only one here who can hold me accountable. You can call me on my bullshit, and that's okay. And I guess Sarugi can also do that since he's technically the moderator here. Speaking of which, I think Sarugi is dead. I just, we haven't heard from him so long. He's pretty sure that's how it works. If you don't hear from someone in three to four podcast episodes, they're, they're likely dead. So Sarugi, if you're out there, please do reach, reach out. We'd, we'd love to hear from you, but uh, also rest in peace. Now, just to make you one last point here, I'd like to point out, I, I wish I could agree with you so much. You say the, the Razer Kishis transformed the way you play games on your phone especially because of xCloud. Now, for those unfamiliar, Razer Kishi is this is this accessory you can buy for your uh, Android phone. And I guess you could probably use it on an iPhone now. I don't know. I don't know. But it, work, it works for Android. And it's designed with 
services like Game Pass in mind, mostly Game Pass, but you could use it with games from the App Store. You could use it with Google Stadia. It's designed with Game Pass in mind. Basically, it's it's like Nintendo Switch Joy-Con looking controllers that snap around your Android device and turn your turn your Android phone basically into a a giant Nintendo Switch Frankenstein thing. Now, I own the precursor to this. I forget I I even forget what it's called, but it's the one that's like it's like a phone case that you snap onto your Razer phone or your Samsung Galaxy and then it has railings on the side of it and you can slide in Razer Nintendo Joy-Con looking things onto it. It's it's the precursor to the Kishi the, the this this uh Razer uh, Kishi you're talking about. It's a little smaller, a little more kind of cheap and jumbly and first gen like so it doesn't feel as good as the razor kishi which is the the newer version um but i I have this so i'm I'm somewhat familiar with what you're talking about and i gotta be honest i thought this would do the same thing for me i thought it was going to transform the way i thought about gaming on a phone but the combination of having that nintendo switch like setup on my phone this is back when i was using the razor phone too um paired with game game cloud or project x cloud rather um, it still didn't do it for me because again, the same problems because the setup of like, let me pull my phone out of my pocket, but now I have this accessory that snaps controllers onto the side of my phone, which makes it increasingly less portable and convenient to use. But also let me jump on xCloud, which is an awesome service, but I have to have decent Wi-Fi in order to use it. So it's not like I'm just going to be in the middle of a fucking train station playing Xbox. Cause no, you need to have reliable Wi-Fi. So you gotta be like a coffee shop or a friend's house or a work office with good Wi-Fi or something like that. Right. And then on top of all of that, you run the, the age old problem of gaming on a phone, which is that I need my phone to be my contact to the world device. I need it so that I can keep in contact, call people, text people, reach social media, web browse, all throughout the day. I need it to I need my device to do that from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed. So if I'm going to game on it for 40 minutes or whatever during like a train commute, let's say, immediately you're fucked because gaming and playing xCloud on your Android phone it's just going to destroy the battery. So it just I, I don't know, to me it's like between the battery having to carry this accessory being a kind of clunky and elegant solution and also like locking these controllers on your Android phone, launching into Game Pass, getting a game set up for streaming is not as quick and easy and accessible as like a Nintendo Switch, which operates like basically any smart device where you can just come out of sleep mode and be in a game wherever you left off last time you played. So again, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it to the Switch. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to the PlayStation Vita. They are just superior ways to play games. You still you know, I just I, I don't think there's a perfect solution, but I still think the Switch and the Vita are more interesting and compelling ways to play games on the go than even Project X Cloud on an Android device. As much as I love the concept, as much as I want to make it a thing I use, it just doesn't work for me like that. So I gotta be honest with you, Mr. Miggy, but I'm glad it works for you. You know we love you with your uh, SpongeBob Xbox Series X meme-looking uh, profile picture. Now, that's going to do it for all of our comments, shoutouts, whatnot of this week. Remember for next week, guys, if you want to say something, don't be shy. Reply. Now we're going to jump into what I've been playing, but before I can tell you anything about that, I've got to tell you about what I've been eating. Guys, I'll keep it short and sweet this week. You know me. You know I became a Landry's Select card holder very recently. Uh, Landry's, uh, the restaurant group that owns, of course, the famous Rainforest Cafe, the Bubba Gum Shrimp Company, the T-Rex Cafe, Landry's Seafood. They recently acquired Joe's Crab Shack. Famous establishments that have uh, shaped shaped the culinary palate of the world, the collective culinary palate of our of our of our goddamn world. Famous, famous restaurant group, iconic, really. I recently became a Landry Select 
card holder, you know? And to sign up for the club, you got to put 25 bucks down. And then they send you the rewards card with your name printed on it like a credit card. It looks very official, very legit, um, very much a in-the-club kind of person now. But they give you the 25 bucks back. So you spend $25 to sign up for the club, and then when you get your card in the mail, it has $25 loaded onto it. So it basically turns itself into a gift card. And for every, you know, the benefit of the card is you go to their restaurants, show them your card, they'll bump you up the wait list so that you don't have to wait for a table. Um, every purchase you make, you get points that, you know, eventually accumulate to gift cards. So it's just a reward system for people who dine frequently at these restaurants. Well, you know me, you know I'm a Landry's guy, you know I'm a Rainforest Cafe fanboy, so of course I gotta have the Landry's Select card. I got one in my wallet, it's right there next to my ID, very important slot. Basically my three most important cards in my in my phone, in my wallet, of course, my driver's license so people know who I is, so people know who I am. Um, my Walt Disney World annual pass, and of course now my Landry Select card, um, which is, you know, fuck, who needs a, who needs a credit card, you know, fuck that, we got our Landry Select, and so, anyway, my girlfriend and I decide, or really I decide, and I drag my girlfriend along, that we got to expand and, and, and see what else Landry's has to offer, you know, there's a lot more Landry's restaurants available to us now that we live in Florida, not Atlanta, um, so, you know, we decide to go to Saltgrass. Saltgrass it's basically it's basically Landry's equivalency of like an Outback Steakhouse or a Longhorn Steakhouse. I'd say it's like just like a, a half step to maybe a full step up in terms of like food quality to one of those restaurants. But like, don't kid yourself. It's very much like a Longhorn Steakhouse. Um, so I, I, I go there. You're like, you know, I got 25 bucks load on my card. I'm a new member. I'm ready to start earning some points. It's been a, a damn long time since I've had a steak because I try not to eat red meat as much these days. Uh, especially steak is just so bad for you, but goddamn, is it good? So fuck it. Special occasion. We gotta spend this twenty-five dollar gift card. We gotta get more Landry's restaurants stamped in our experience book. I'm thinking about getting a Landry's tattoo right now. I don't know. Let me know what you think in the comments below. But we go to Saltgrass, very like a uh, Texas cowboy themed steakhouse. We go in the middle of a Saturday when no one's fucking there. It's embarrassing. We're like the only table. And I'm dressed up, you know. I'm wearing a whole three-piece suit. I'm ready to do this. I look like I look like review bra, sitting in this fucking Texas steakhouse restaurant, and it's amazing. I gotta say, it was fucking amazing. You, you got you got jalapeno poppers stuffed with shrimp, and just mozzarella cheese and shit. And you got the 16-ounce ribeye with mac and cheese, and you got. The, the, the everything it's amazing we got a cheesecake that my girlfriend didn't eat because she hates cheesecake but she ordered it anyway because she thought she might like this one but surprise surprise she still doesn't like cheesecake so i had to eat it all myself but that's okay i accumulated over 3,000 calories in this one meal and now i knew this was going to be a big meal but uh yeah i mean you guys know i'm still trying to diet and everything so this ended up being like my one meal for the weekend i basically starved myself the entire weekend because of this meal but gotta be honest salt grass was so good I don't regret a thing. Now, here's here's the here's the conundrum that is introduced through salt through through this restaurant. Is, is this restaurant good? Yes. Is it a restaurant I would frequent? Well, no, because I'm not interested in another like Texas Roadhouse, Longhorn Steakhouse kind of restaurant to add into my repertoire. It's not my go-to place. You guys know me. You know I I like tropical drinks. I like fun vacationy restaurant spots. I'm a Rainforest Cafe guy through and through. So this is not going to become a regular for me. This was more of a one and done. Maybe I'll be back in the future, but I got to say if you are someone who has access to a saltgrass steakhouse and you're not opposed to eating at a Longhorn Steakhouse or an Outback Steakhouse type restaurant, give Saltgrass a try because I'd say it's a little bit better than those other guys. 
but it gets no none of the attention. I asked all my coworkers, anyone here ever heard of Saltgrass? And everyone, and you know, keep in mind, I work with like some real like country men kind of dudes at my job. And pretty much everyone was like, no, never heard of it. What the fuck is that? So I don't know what this upheld battle Landry's is fighting here because this brand's been around for a long time, but no one seems to know what the fuck Saltgrass is. But they've been around for a long time, and they're really damn good. So, you know, Landry's group is from Texas. And so maybe all you Texans out there are more familiar with Landry's restaurants. Maybe you've been to Saltgrass. I know a handful of you out there in the audience live in Texas. So please write in, you Texans. Let me know. Have you been to Saltgrass? Is it good? Please let me know. Have you at least heard of it? The people need to know. Uh, so shout out to Saltgrass. But next time I got to go out and, and use my Landry's card, you know I'd be right back at that Rainforest Cafe dining among the gorillas and the jaguars and the elephants because those are my people. Now, as for what I've been playing, guys, I'm still, you know, I feel like a broken record at this point. Still trying really hard to focus on my studying, getting this IT certification. So I'm not really going too deep into uh, video games right now, but I did play some, I did spend some time gaming this week. MLB The Show is now official on Xbox, and this is exactly like Outriders. It's like a game I was really looking forward to a couple months ago. And now that I'm so invested in this class and my training and everything, I just like have lost all orientation and interest in what I was going to do with gaming once these games started coming out. And so like MLB The Show's out, I downloaded it on my Xbox. I'm like, I, I can't right now, man. I just need to focus on this class. So over the weekend, a couple days before MLB came out, I um, finished Tokyo School Life on my Nintendo Switch, which is the... Japanese uh, visual novel I've been playing, um, and I, I gotta tell you guys, Tokyo School Life, if you own a Nintendo Switch, I think it might also be on Steam, you gotta check out Tokyo School Life, it's cheap, it's like 10-15 bucks, this is a must-play game, okay guys, listen, the three girls, and y- you're staying with them for the summer until you gotta go back to America or wherever your home country is in the game, and you got these two or three months to hang out with these girls and make friends with them. And eventually you can develop relationships with one of them. And I was going for Karen at first, uh, but instead it looks like things ended up going uh, with me and Sakura. And and Sakura is such a sweetheart, man. Um, But she does have that medical condition. And at the end of the game where she's fucking hospitalized and then you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then you can't be with her through her procedure because you have to go back home and then you get sent back to your country and then the the credits roll and you never hear back from this girl and you're like oh my god she died the surgery didn't go well she died and I, like and there i am i'm my heart's pounding i'm like stakura where, where'd you go and and then i'm i'm online i'm on steam you know credits are rolling on my tv but i'm on steam like uh, steam forums what the fuck happened to sakura and everyone's like oh my god isn't the game so sad i'm like holy shit they just killed her they killed her what the fuck they killed her credits stop calm down take a deep breath credits end post-credit scene okay i guess it's a fucking marvel movie because we got a post-credit scene here okay you save up the money and then the next spring you go back to japan sorry if this is spoilers for anyone i'm sure none of you are ever going to play this game you go back to japan and you go to see the sakura flowers or the japanese cherry blossom flowers spring uh, bloom in the spring which is this is beautiful this is a beautiful poetic moment and who should you who should you see but sakura and she's there, and she's happy, and she's healthy, and she's so happy to see you, and she explains, I didn't want to reach out to you because the surgery, you know, didn't go well, but then they found this new um, untested medicine, and they tried it on me, and it looks like it's doing well, but I don't know if it's going to hold up, and I didn't want to scare you into thinking I was okay, only for me to relapse, and 
I'm, I'm fine. The truth is I'm fine. I'm here. And here it is. It's spring. The flowers are blooming. My name is also Sakura and the, in the, the poetic, uh, nature of the name and the season, the flower and, and, and she's overcoming her illness and it's beautiful guys. And your character and Sakura end up together as a happy couple and she's safe and she's healthy and the flowers are blooming and God damn it's Tokyo school life. And it's a must play guys. It's, it's probably the best game of all time. I'm not going to say it's better than Superman 64, but you know, it's not, it's not worse. That's for sure. It's a good game and I highly recommend it, but that was Tokyo school life. I played a little bit of the monster her monster hunter i played a little bit of the monster hunter rise demo on my switch game looks really good game is really fun but i cannot go into that rabbit hole so i'm just like nope not allowing myself to buy it not allowing myself to play any more of it so that's done that's over that was a that was a weekend fling and then i played some near automata or automata however you say it i see i've heard people say both uh that's a game i thought i would never ever ever play but goddamn, that game's awesome, man. That is a really good Platinum Games action adventure, just like beat 'em up shooter RPG, open worldish, whatever. And it's a fucking cool game. But don't know if I have the time for it, so I'm gonna try to shelve it. But I, I hope I can get back to that at some point when I do have more free time. But yeah, that's what I was sampling this week, playing around in. Still going a little bit through my weeby phase, if you can't tell. But Tokyo School Life, guys, you gotta tr- you gotta check it out. Now, with that said, I think we can jump back into the Xbox News. Notification pop sound, and here we go. All right, our first one, as always, comes from Windows Central, and we're going to talk about some Xbox Live. So, the new changes for Xbox Live Gold impacts its online multi- multiplayer. It, the subscription's primarily primary draw since its inception. Microsoft has lifted the requirement for Xbox Live Gold to play free-to-play titles online, making these true no-cost experiences for the platform. This mimics similar policies seen on PlayStation consoles that do not require PlayStation Plus to play free-to-play online games. This massive policy shift impacts a considerable slice of Xbox owners, with free-to-play titles among the top-rated and played games on the console. Experiences include Fortnite, Call of Duty Warzone, Apex Legends, all drawing millions of players up front with, with no upfront costs. Microsoft has now rolled out these Xbox Live Gold changes, and multiplayer automatically works across these tiles subscription-free. Now, to expand on that, because we've heard about these things coming for a while, but now to expand on that, Microsoft didn't really make a huge deal about this, but their new policy also impacts Xbox Party Chat. The feature is also going free this year. Uh, Voice chat features previously required an Xbox Live Gold membership, but it's now a complimentary uh, service to Xbox One and Series X and S owners. Xbox users can talk over the private voice chat, ideal for communicating while players play various play through various games. And the looking for group feature used to used to find like-minded players online also went free just this month. So Microsoft is also dropped the Xbox Live brand as we recently learned with it now being the Xbox Network brand moving forward. But the move is designed to help better distinguish the underlying service from the paid subscription with the paid subscription now being further neutered in terms of its offerings and benefits. Meaning really you should have no service or Game Pass Ultimate. But Xbox Live Gold, a big old waste of your time. Now, currently there are fifty, about 50 games that are free to play that are now benefiting from this change in policy uh the likes include the aforementioned apex legends call of duty Warzone, fortnite but also include games like crackdown 2 darwin project dc universe online uh, online dead or alive 5 and 6 destiny 2 hyperscape killer instinct outriders fantasy star online 2 uh resident evil 2 Res- revelations roblox rocket league smite star trek online two human warframe warface world of tanks so tons and tons of games now free to play 
completely because you don't need Xbox Live as a subscription. Of course, this this is one of those weird news stories because it's really important and it has to be talked about and it's definitely something to note, but it it impacts like 0% of people who would listen to this podcast or any Xbox podcast because if you are an Xbox fan and you're listening to the show, you obviously have Game Pass Ultimate. Like that's that's just that. You have a Game Pass subscription, you are an Xbox fan, you play you have all the features and services that the console offers. So this is really a story that is massive and has huge implications for the platform and the future of where this platform's headed. But it, in terms of its immediate effects and, and who it really benefits, it's really none of us because we'd, we'd have access to this shit either way being Xbox fanboys. So it's kind of a weird thing to like make a huge deal about, but it, it is a huge deal, even if it isn't a huge deal for us necessarily. So yeah, I mean, this is just, it seems like every week we get a little bit more of the puzzle. You know, the other week it was Destiny 2 and Warzone might take a little bit longer to kind of figure that out because of some issues with Activision. And then, you know, before that it was just the strip announcement, but now we're at at the point where it's like all happening and you get in party chats and private chats and looking for group chat uh, features all for free. So tons and tons of features that were locked behind Xbox Live now free to everyone, basically making Xbox Live a service only required for those who are looking for basically two things, games with gold and the ability to play online games if they are games you have to buy. So for example, you want to play Black Ops Cold War online, you got to have Xbox Live. You want to play Warzone Online, which isn't a game that costs money. It's just a free-to-play download mode. Eh, you don't you don't need it. So fewer and fewer benefits to Xbox Live Gold, further throwing that service into obscurity. I don't have much more to say on this because we've just talked about it so much in recent weeks. But nonetheless, here we are making more uh, progress on that specific uh, uh, development. Next up, this is a pretty exciting one, actually. xCloud... Um, xCloud for Windows 10 PC, uh, Apple's phones, tablets, macOS, everything uh, has started to roll out this week. So Tom Warren from The Verge tweeted out. He was like the first one to say anything about it. He says he was he was going on and on about talking about how, you know, it works in Chrome. Sorry, it works in Chromium browsers. Um, for those who aren't familiar, Microsoft's own web browser, uh, Microsoft Edge, is a Chromium-based browser uh, similar to like Google Chrome. Um, and so because it works basically just in any of those browsers, you can as well as like Apple Safari, you can play Xbox X cloud, not only, you know, on iPhones and iPads and MacBooks through these web browsers, but you can also play it on Xbox because well, Microsoft's edge web browser is installed on Xbox. And if you're a member of the alpha skip ahead testing ring right now on Xbox, you have the, you have the newer version of edge, which can run xCloud. So the really interesting thing here is not only can, you know, through this workaround through playing on, on, on web browsers, now play xCloud on your iPhone, MacBook, tablet, Windows 10 PC. Not only can you do that, but now you can technically also use Project xCloud through your Xbox itself. So this is a really funny workaround. So if you have the latest version of Edge on your Xbox Series X or Xbox One or whatever, you can go into the Edge app, go log into xCloud and stream Xbox games from the cloud onto your web browser on your Xbox. You can play Xbox on your Xbox. So technically, kind of answering what we were talking about earlier in the show, which is that if you want to stream the game and try it on your Xbox before you commit to it, you technically can do that. And once this version of the browser makes it out of the alpha skip ahead ring and gets into beta and then eventually becomes the default browser on the console, it'll be more accessible to people. And also keep in mind right now, xCloud working through web browsers is a closed thing. It's invite only. So I'm not sure exactly how they're going about that. I think they're reaching out to testers and insiders 
offering them to try out the service. So I did not receive any kind of information from Microsoft on that, even though I'm an Xbox insider. So I assume, let me know if, if you were among the lucky few selected um, and if you've had the chance to try it out. But yeah, you basically, like for example, obviously all, all of us Android users have been using xCloud for a while now. If you want to try it and you have an iPhone, you can just go into your Safari browser, your Google Chrome browser, your Microsoft Edge browser on your iPhone, go to the website, log in your Xbox Live account and start streaming games from xCloud onto your iPhone and play Xbox basically on your iPhone. So really, really awesome that that's, you know, I, I, my favorite part of this story is still how Apple did that bullshit Apple thing. They always do where they're like, we want to lock out good features and good content creators from our platform because we don't like competition. We like to dominate our own ecosystem and we don't like anyone to threaten us with a, a good product. So they did that bullshit thing where they didn't allow game or project xCloud onto the iOS the iOS app store. And I love how my, the, my, so my favorite part of the story is how Microsoft was basically like, okay, fuck you. Uh, we'll just make it work in a web browser so people can play it on your devices anyway, by just going to a web browser. Now, obviously this is still an inelegant, you know, plan B solution, but I just think it's so funny and awesome that Microsoft's reaction to it was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to cock block us here by not letting us use your, your app store, but we're still going to, find a way to make this work on your platform. So fuck you. So I, I really love that that's the case and that's what they went ahead and did here. But aside from that, I mean, to me at least, I think the bigger thing here is being able to do xCloud on your, you know, your PC, whether that be your Mac or Windows device or whatever. Um, I, I actually think this is where, for myself at least, xCloud has the most potentials. I See, I could see myself playing xCloud on like my Surface, right? Because the Surface is a nice big tablet display. It has a built-in kickstand. I could see myself being like, okay, whatever. Like uh, I, I'm out and about doing whatever. Let's pretend I, I'm cool and I work in coffee shops or whatever. You know, I can bring my Surface Pro to the coffee shop, be working on whatever and be like, okay, I'm a little tired. I need a work break. And then you can pop the, rip your keyboard attachment off your Surface Pro, pop out the kickstand, pull out an Xbox controller from your, your bag and start playing, you know, a little bit of Halo in the coffee shop on your Xbox or on your Surface Pro. Like, that's a cool idea to me that you can just like, you know, you're on a flight and you're connected to the in-flight Wi-Fi. And now all of a sudden you can just play xCloud on your Surface Pro, you know, in a plane, whatever. I, I like the idea of this a whole lot more than on my Android phone or on my iPhone or whatever. I think this is a really cool idea, especially Surface comes to mind because it's like a tablet PC, but I guess it works well for iPad if you also have the accessories to make it a kickstand and all that. But like, and it also works, you know, just for any laptop. You don't need all the special accoutrements and whatnot. I just think specifically for devices like two in one PCs, um, I think this is a really cool feature. And it's something I, I'm actually pretty excited to eventually try out when I can. So, I mean, let me know what you think. The, the cool thing here is that all the options are available now. So it doesn't matter if you have iPhone, Android, tablets, Windows 10 PCs, um, Mac computers, whatever you're using out there, there's a way to stream your Xbox content onto your device. You're not married just to your Xbox. In fact, if you want to stream games from the cloud to your Xbox and play Xbox on your Xbox, that is now an option as well. There are just so many options, especially because of this ability to stream through web browsers. So I think this is really awesome. And I, uh, I don't know, I look forward to seeing, because I assume a lot of you in the audience are actually like me, where it's like, xCloud's a great feature, it's meant for someone else. You know, I, I prefer to play my games on my PC or my console. I'm not here to stream. Um, streaming, you know, being more for 
people who don't have consoles, people who don't play on consoles, people in markets where console gaming isn't really popular, you know, these kind of alternate markets. But I imagine for most of us, as cool as xCloud is, and as much as we like seeing it grow and become a thing, it's not going to be a primary way for most of us to play. So I'd be curious to know how many of you out there also kind of see this as more of a viable option now that you have the ability to play it on your tablet or on your PC um, or on your iPhone if you are not an Android user. So pretty cool stuff. Fun to see that expanding. And now we jump into two back-to-back stories, which you could see as good or bad. I'm kind of a little relieved by both of them, but I think this these will be probably the more interesting stories for a lot of you out there this week. First one being that Discord will not sell itself to Microsoft or any other company at this time, according to a report from Wall Street Journal. Instead, Discord could look into becoming a public company at the same point in the future. At some point in the future, according to sources that spoke with Wall Street Journal, at least for now, it appears Discord will remain independent. Earlier reports indicated that Microsoft was in advanced talks to purchase Discord for at least $10 billion, but those talks have seemingly halted. Discord reportedly... uh, Fielded offers from at least three companies, but ultimately decided to remain independent. And Wall Street Journal notes that while talks between Microsoft and Discord have ended without a deal, that they could be rekindled in the future, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, this is the first one here. I'm a little relieved by this just because I, I feel like we're at the point where like it's cool how much shit Microsoft's buying and bringing into the fold and especially helping Xbox with. And I think having Discord be a Microsoft service and integrating it deep into Xbox and everything would actually really really benefit the xbox platform and gamers in general and just in terms of integrating uh this really really popular service into consoles uh more but the thing is it's like i feel like microsoft's done so much acquiring acquiring lately it's like they're running the the risk of like starting to blur the line of like what is the xbox brand and identity so it's like it's cool when you buy cool stuff and you bring them together and you marry you know something we all love which is xbox with something else we all love which could be zenimax or or discord or whatever but like let's make sure that all the acquisitions don't change the xbox brand so much to where it just becomes less the xbox brand we know and love and more the look what Microsoft bought this week kind of brand. So I actually like the idea of Discord kind of remaining independent and Microsoft having to compete the more natural way and just kind of upping their services and making them more interesting. I I don't know. Sometimes I think it's a little more fun to have more diversity and a a wider array of options available rather than just who's the successful one, let's buy them. Although, you know, I feel like I sound like a little bit of a hypocrite here. I would have been fine either way. I mean, Discord with Microsoft, that would have been great. But also, yeah, I don't know. I, I like to see Microsoft kind of have to use their own proprietary stuff and be a little more independent. So nonetheless, those talks are now dead. I think that has, I think that's a lot more of a long-term loss for Discord than it is for Microsoft. Because even though I think Discord on Xbox could greatly help the Xbox brand, I think in the long run, you know, Microsoft's going to be fine no matter what they do, no matter what they own, you know, but Discord, I oof, going public with something like Discord, it's like you got to start looking at weird ways to monetize the platform to appease shareholders. I think Discord going public is exactly the kind of thing that's going to fuck up a service like Discord and start making the very people that love it and rely on it start to turn their backs on it because you're going to have to see them do a lot of scummy bullshit shit bullshit stuff 
to kind of start enticing people to subscribe to this and buy this. And now you can support your favorite channels by this uh, Patreon-like model. And you can buy these extra emojis and all this bullshit. You can just already, like, see all the kind of shit they'd have to do to water down and ruin the experience on Discord if they went public. Because it would just be a bunch of shareholders being like, make money, make money, make money. I, I don't know. Like, it's cool that the stock market exists, that public companies can go public and, and all that shit. But, like, I just don't... I don't think every company needs to be public. And I feel like way too many companies try to go public and it just really fucking ruins the spirit of what so many of these services and products and businesses are. Because I, I don't know, like Discord is a prime example of a company that's like, you are not better off going public. Like, your product, your service will not benefit from going public. I promise you Discord will only get worse if it goes public. And then if that's, if they don't decide to do that, then it's like, okay, well then what's the, what's the plan after that? It's like, who... Who else is going to buy them? You know, it's like no one was going to offer you the kind of money Microsoft was going to offer you. So I just feel like in the long run, you know, this might not be great for Xbox, but Microsoft will be fine no matter what happens. Discord's the one that stands more to lose from walking away from a $10 billion acquisition deal with Xbox or Microsoft, I I think. But whatever, we'll see how that goes. I'm personally kind of happy to just see there be more variety out there in the world and less of a forced reliance on, you know, big companies buying big, bigger companies buying big companies conglomerating, you know, into one mesh of corporate bullshit. So I'm cool with this. Now, continuing on with that exact same sentiment, our next story reported from Windows Central says that Square Enix has stated that it has no plans to sell the company following reports stating multiple parties were interested in acquiring the publisher. The Japanese firm, best known for Final for the Final Fantasy role-playing franchise, has said that it has received no acquisition offers from third parties, stressing no plans to part with any components of its business. The announcement comes following reports of several budding buyers lining up for the publisher, as broken by CTFN via Bloomberg. Bloomberg has reported today that there uh, is interest from several buyers to acquire Square Enix, the company stated via press release. However, this report was not uh, based on any announcements by Square Enix Holdings Company. We don't consider them selling off the company or any part of its business, nor have we received any offers from third-party acquirer, blah, blah, blah. That was the, the statement from Square Enix. Now, the article finishes up by saying, while the reports didn't name involved parties, speculation falls around two of the biggest console platforms, Microsoft and Sony. It comes as executive VP of gaming at Microsoft, Phil Spencer, has previously expressed interest in onboarding additional Japanese talent. Sony has also demonstrated a long-standing relationship with the publisher, with many past projects releasing exclusively to PlayStation consoles. This one actually makes me really happy, so we didn't even have time to talk about this, but... Basically, late last week, the rumors started rolling around that Microsoft might be in, in talks with Square Enix to acquire them. And then before we could even talk about those rumors on this week's episode, Square Enix came out and basically was like, no, it's not happening. Not, not happening. So I believe, you know, I don't I don't think Blue, Bloomberg is misreporting here. They may have been reporting on something that was in really early talks or like, you know, just kind of like this may have been a kind of like Microsoft or someone came up to Square Enix and and tried to start a conversation and it was one of those Nintendo kind of situations. Because remember, way back in the day, you know, before the Xbox, Microsoft went to Nintendo and was like, hey, can we buy you guys? And famously, Nintendo laughed them out of the room. So this may have been one of those kinds of things where like Microsoft had a meeting with Square Enix and they're like, hey, we know you guys got screwed last year because despite Final Fantasy VII's really great sales, Marvel's Avengers kind of fucked you guys over financially and you guys have been kind of down and we need a Japanese developer and publisher. Like, 
you guys like to join the Xbox family? And maybe they were just laughed out of the room or something like that. It, this may be, you know, reporting on something that was a little more in line with that and a little less in line with like Microsoft and Square Enix were seriously considering an acquisition. I, I, I don't know. We don't know. But nonetheless, this is one that I don't know. This is one that makes me really happy that it, it fell through because the acquisition of ZeniMax is really huge and really big and really exciting. But I don't want to see this become the trend. I'd rather ZeniMax be the exception and not the trend. We're seeing this happen a lot suddenly in gaming where everything's just converging into one. You know, like you got Coke Media with the fucking THQ Nordic brand and they're just buying up every little AA studio in the world and every old dormant IP you can think of. Uh, and then you got like fucking Tencent taking their like communist money and just throwing it into like literally every project they can trying to just get involved in everything. You got Microsoft expanding extremely fast, which is cool and exciting for us Microsoft fans, but like let's let's make sure we hold Microsoft accountable to the same kind of speculation or 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 concern or just, you know, apprehension that maybe we have for other brands for doing similar things. It's just there's a lot of there's a lot of merging happening right now, and I don't want to see it happen to an extent where at the end of the day there's just Microsoft, Sony and Tencent or whatever, you know. It's like we want to see there be some independence and some diversity and in some identities because the more you see these things just merge together, the less I, the fewer identities you have. And I, I like Square Enix. I actually really like what Square Enix has become because in my, you know, over my lifetime as a gamer, I've seen them go from Squaresoft to merging with Enix, which was their biggest competitor and becoming Square Enix. We saw them go from making these, Final Fantasy games to blowing up bigger and bigger and bigger and the franchise just getting bigger and bigger and expanding to more and more Japanese role-playing games. And then we saw them start to acquire Western developers in the past 10 years or so uh, with like Crystal Dynamics and stuff. And now we see Square Enix kind of be this more mature publisher and less of a, a developer and more of a you know mature publisher with more studios, a wider library uh, and catalog of, of IP. And we see them kind of appeal to the Western and Japanese market by having their final fantasies and, and their, um, and their dragon quests and things like that while also having like Avengers and Tomb Raider and, and outriders and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I, I really like what Square Enix has become in recent years. And even though they're not one of my favorite publishers and I'm not a massive fan of most of the kinds of games they put out, I, they're a publisher. I have a lot of admiration for, and I would just like to kind of see them be uniquely weird and independent. I, I, I think it's cool that, in a world where most, you know, most publishers are either like really Japanese or like really American or really European, you've got a you've got a, a company like Square Enix that's like pretty like oddly has a mix of like American developers, Canadian developers, Japanese developers, but they have the, their Japanese roots, which I don't think any gamer really misses. That's not lost on anyone. They're still very much an authentically like Japanese publisher. And I just think that's something really cool about Square Enix I would like to see kind of remain. I don't, I don't know. I just, it doesn't feel like, again, this is back to the thing I was saying about Discord. At what point does, does the mass amount of acquisition start to really mess with the Xbox brand, right? Like, because I think of Square Enix, the first platform I think of is PlayStation. I think of Square Enix, the second platform I think of is Nintendo. I think of Square Enix, the third platform I think of is Sega. I think of Square Enix, the last platform I think of is 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 Xbox, actually. I think of PC before I think of Xbox. Square Enix has its history, you know, Final Fantasy, in a, in a Final Fantasy VII onward kind of role has always been a PlayStation 
related brand. Final Fantasy before Final Fantasy 7 has always been a Nintendo associated brand. Dragon Quest, very Nintendo. Um, Tomb Raider, I think of I think of Sega Dreamcast and PlayStation One. Like all, all these projects that they own, it's just like these are they, they're very heavily associated PlayStation company. And yes, they're a third party publisher, and their games are available, especially their newer games are always available on everything, with the exception of certain Final Fantasy games. But like, I I don't know. I just I don't look at Square Enix and be like, you know what? That really fits the Xbox catalog. And we've heard Phil Spencer talk about the history, right? He always says like, when we think about acquisitions, we want to make sure they are teams that we have a history with. And I think I, I believe I don't. You know, Phil Spencer is still a corporate guy. He's he's got no matter how much you like him, to some extent, he's got to be occasionally you know repping the brand and being a PR head, right? I believe Phil Spencer when he says this about, about, you know, acquiring the teams that make sense for Xbox. And when I think of ZeniMax, I think what a perfect fit, you know, you think of Bethesda, you think of, think of like in exile, think of like double fine. These are all teams that harken back to Xbox with their, with their first console games being on the OG Xbox with their earlier development, you know, uh, attempts going on, on like windows PC and stuff like that. Like these are all developers and publishers. Microsoft has have acquired that all harken back to the PC or the original Xbox. You think of like doom and Wolfenstein, like these are PC franchises. So there is a history. There is a link between these studios and these publishers that Microsoft has been acquiring and the Xbox brand or the Microsoft company. And, and I love seeing those relationships tied together. It's so cool seeing like, in Exile and in Obsidian and Bethesda uh, all kind of merge together and then be with Microsoft and Xbox because it's like Fallout is such a PC brand and it was developed by In Exile, but it was also developed by later Bethesda and and Obsidian got their hands on it later. And then it was on, you know, the their games were first on Xbox before they were on any other console ever. And so there's just like this history and this lineage and association between all these brands. You think of like Psychonauts, a game like Psychonauts, which was pretty heavily associated actually with Xbox when it came out. It was like one of the rare platforms that even though it was on PS2, had a lot of Xbox association. And it's just, you know, they acquired Playground Games, which has pretty much always made Xbox games and Forza as long as they've been a studio. I, I really like that Xbox's MO is let's acquire the ones that make sense for us. So when I think of Xbox trying to acquire a Japanese studio or publisher, I think of Sega to be honest, because Sega has that precedent with Xbox and with Microsoft. The old Sega consoles, Sega Dreamcast ran Windows and you could boot into Windows on a Sega Dreamcast. It was fucking really cool and really above ahead of its time. And Sega was always the Xbox before there was an Xbox because they were all about the power, all about the next-gen features and graphics, all about, all about online connectivity before Nintendo or anyone else was ever aware or into that shit. That was always Sega. Sega was a very... Xbox brand of console before Xbox existed. And a lot of people that worked at Sega and worked on their console division, their hardware division, moved on to work at Microsoft when Dreamcast failed, Sega got out of the game's hardware business, and then Microsoft got in with the Xbox. During that transition from like the late 90s to early 2000s, a lot of people left Sega, went over to work with Microsoft from previous relationships pertaining to hardware, and so there's always been a lineage between Sega and Xbox. And I mean, just look at like the original Xbox Duke controller and compare it to an, a Sega Dreamcast controller. Sega and Xbox are very much, you know, historically interlinked. Now, in all fairness, I think as soon as Sega got out of the hardware business 
And as soon as they settled into just doing software, they immediately started getting in bed a lot with PlayStation and Nintendo, especially Nintendo, which is really funny because obviously the famous rivalry between Sega and Nintendo, but at least during the Sega hardware years and the early years of Xbox, there was a lot of relationship between Sega and and, and Xbox. And a lot of Sega games came to Xbox's exclusives like Shenmue 2 and Panzer Dragoon and all these games. So again, the history is there. And so when I think of, that's why it makes me so happy when I see like Yakuza coming to Xbox, Fantasy Star coming to Xbox, Fantasy Star 2 Online, Fantasy Star Online 2 rather is still a console exclusive to Xbox in the West. That's fucking awesome. And and I, I don't know, to me like, I, I always think of these things when I'm playing Yakuza, when I'm playing Fantasy Star, which are games I, I really enjoy. And I'm like, this this feels like the Japanese company that Microsoft needs to be in bed with. And yes, this is a little biased because I am a bit of a Sega fanboy. You guys know I'm one of those weird furry people that really love Sonic the Hedgehog. But I, I really do believe that Sega is the appropriate fit for Xbox. And I would love to see a world where not only Microsoft does acquire Sega, um, but where they can kind of help Sega get back to their former glory, throw the money, throw the the, the timelines and, and the talent at these Sega studios and allow them to make Sonic good. You know, make Sonic good. Don't just churn out a Sonic game. You know, bring back old franchises that people miss, like old Sega franchises that are just laying dormant. You know, bring Atlas's games to Xbox finally. Like, why the fuck is Persona not on Xbox? We're hearing rumors about Persona 5 potentially coming to Xbox soon. I, I want to see that be the case. And so, I don't know. This is a long tangent, I guess. But when I think of what if Xbox were to acquire a Japanese publisher... I can't think of a better fit than than Sega. And personally, I think second second best fit would be Capcom. But that's a whole different discussion we won't get into. But I don't know. To me, when I think about the big Japanese publishers, who would make sense for Xbox to acquire if they were going to acquire or at least just develop a really close relationship with? Square Enix is pretty low on the list for me. I think, I think they make very little sense, at least from a historical uh, point of view. So if we're taking Phil Spencer as word about, you know, acquisitions being companies that Xbox has a history with and has worked well with, and there's a lineage there and there's an association and you can connect the histories and make sense of it all. I think when it comes to Japanese publishers, there's no choice other than Sega. There's really, there's really only Sega. And, and I know that's something everyone wants to hear because even though someone like myself really loves Sega and would really love to see that happen, I think for a lot of people, it's like, we, we know Sega today isn't what it used to be. You know, Sega's kind of had a fall from grace. In recent years, they've had some success with franchises like Yakuza suddenly getting really big in the West. You know, with they Sega owns Atlas, which makes Persona, which is massively successful. So Sega does have successes, and Sonic surprisingly still sells pretty well, despite the fact that Sonic Team tries to, you know, put bad Sonic games out at a ratio of like, of like five to one. So... It's it's surprising that you know Sega is even doing as well as they are right now, but they they do all right, and it, I don't know. I feel like there's this potential there for like Sega to help give Xbox what they need is more, which is more Japanese content, and for Xbox to give Sega what they need, which is more resources, more time, uh, better development access, better just better resources to really hone in on what made them great in the past and kind of rekindle that and, and, and improve on it for the future rather than Sega just being kind of a middling additional player in the space, you know, making them a bigger player. And I, I, I don't know. I, that's, that's my fantasy. That's like one of my weird Microsoft fantasies. I want, I want windows phone to come back. I want Microsoft to own Sega. I want, you know, 
federally legalized marijuana, even though I don't smoke it so that people can stop going to jail over weed. Just all these kinds of things. These are my pie in the sky desires. These are the things I think about at night, guys. I'm sorry. Here we are. We're talking about Sonic the Hedgehog again. I'm sorry. It's a whole it's a whole front. It's not really about Xbox. It's always been about Sonic. You knew that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, this one, is, more than Discord, I'm relieved to see that this one's not happening. Now, could this all be a little bullshit? And this is just Square Enix trying to nip this conversation in the butt before, you know, any more rumors and and kind of whatever starts spilling out from the rumor mill or whatever. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's all lying. Maybe this is an actual conversation that is happening. They just don't want people speculating. I don't know. I don't think that's the case. I don't I think if this were real, they wouldn't have said anything. Um, but I, I guess you never know. I, I am still curious to see what are Microsoft's plans for capturing more of the Japanese market or rather getting more Japanese content on Xbox because they've made great strides in recent years, but they are far from done, I think. So whatever. Let's um let's uh let's wrap up with a couple couple uh smaller stories here. So gamesindustry.biz reports that Microsoft has unveiled ID at Azure, not ID at Xbox, ID at Azure, a self a self-service program intended to make games to make the company's Azure cloud service more accessible to independent developers, such in the same way as ID at Xbox enabled self-publishing for Xbox systems. The service launches this summer and gives members free access to game development tools, Azure credits to try out services for free, and the best practices and case studies for Xbox Game Studio developers and Microsoft Cloud engineers alike. With Azure Cloud, game creators can build, scale, and operate their games on a global Secure and reliable Azure cloud, the company said, blah, 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 corporate bullshit. So let's just get this out real quick. This is more of a Microsoft story than it is an Xbox story, but it relates to Xbox. So Azure, Microsoft's very, very profitable, very lucrative, very successful cloud infrastructure technology um, that most people don't like to think about because it's boring. Um, I I think this is a big deal. And and here's what it is. It, It doesn't have so much of an exciting impact for us, the gamer, but it has a potentially big financial incentive for Microsoft. This is them trying to say, we want Azure to be an accessible development platform, cloud development platform for smaller independent um, game creators because we want them to develop their server system and their online infrastructure for their games using our services and not Google's or not Amazon's. Because here's why. Because think about a game like Fall Guys, which recently blew up. Think about a game like... um, Among Us, which recently blew up. Think about a game like Fortnite, which was from a pretty well-established developer that was launched into the highest echelon of of game publishers as a result of their game Fortnite. You think about these games, Rocket League, you name them. All these games started as like independent developer games to like mid-tier developer games. And now all these games are massively successful, generate shit tons of money, and Microsoft is sitting here looking at it and saying, next time, you know, whatever the next Among Us is, whatever the next Fortnite is, whatever the next Rocket League is, we want to be the the one to su- to supply the cloud infrastructure, the server infrastructure and everything, the backend support for these games, because that's a lot of money to be made. And so this is their way of, of trying to take Azure's cloud technology and make it as accessible and easy to develop for and easy to use and affordable for smaller developers as humanly possible. So the next time there's a Fortnite, the next time there's a Rocket League or what have you, a PUBG not only can we get that game on Xbox and make lots of money through Xbox through microtransactions, but we can also have the game's whole like um, server side and, and infrastructure 
be set up on Microsoft's cloud service, which in turn generates more revenue for them. So this is more of a backend Microsoft money, you know, kind of development thing than it is more consumer thing. This isn't like, oh, games are going to be more fun than ever because the servers uh, run on Azure technology. Like, no, that's no one cares about that. But this is important because this is, again, these are the kinds of things I think I think about when I'm like, okay, Game Pass, sure, they invest all the money they make on Game Pass back into Game Pass. Where is the Xbox brand generating money? This is one of those options. This is one of those examples of how like they can use gaming to generate revenue for the company and continue to justify Microsoft's involvement in the game space. So that when I look at stories like this, I'm relieved and excited because I want Microsoft to find lots of success and lots of good ways to monetize and, and profit off of video games so that they can continue to justify the existence of Xbox. So that's that's why I like to hear stories like this, but not really exciting stuff for us gamers, so to speak. And with that said, the last story is just a Game Pass update. So we have some new games coming to Game Pass and leaving Game Pass. So I'll just read to you the update list. So available today... Uh, now we have MLB The Show 21 available through cloud and console. We've got Fogs, which is now available on PC, but was on console already. Second Extinction, that that dinosaur Left 4 Dead looking game, is now in game preview on cloud, console, and PC. Um, actually, that's as of uh, next week on April 28th. I'm really salty that I don't have time for games because this is a game I really want to play. Uh, but Destroy All Humans is also coming April 29th, cloud, console, and PC. Fable 3 is coming to cloud on April 30th, and lastly on April 30th, Fable Anniversary is coming to cloud. Now, we have a handful of games leaving Game Pass all on April 30th, so these are all, these are mostly PC games, but uh, Endless Legend leaves PC on April 30th, also For the King leaves cloud PC and uh, console, uh, Fractured Minds leaves cloud and console, Levelhead leaves cloud console and PC, Moving Out leaves cloud console and PC, and leaving PC is... Lastly, Thumper, uh, which I never got to play. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for all of our news. Now, guys, we're going to jump into all of our important enough news stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions, which we have a couple. The first one here being that Jeff Kaplan, the owner, Overwatch director, has announced that he's leaving Blizzard after 19 years of working with the company on titles such as World of Warcraft and, of course, the most recently massively successful uh, shooter game, Overwatch. The internet was just collectively freaking out over that. I'm not too sure why, but all the best to him on his new endeavors. Uh, Double Fine tweeted out this this week that, I'll just read, quote, Psychonauts 2 is coming this year, and yes, I've been mentioning it that... I've been mentioning, I assume this is uh, Tim. I've been mentioning that here and elsewhere for a while, but I cannot tell you when because someone from the company <laughs> would arrange for a mysterious cactus accident to happen to me if I told you. But it is real, it's playable, and it's coming this year. Uh, the company, of course, being Microsoft. So Double Fine, just reassuring people that Psychonauts 2 is coming in 2021. They just can't say when. I assume we'll get a date uh, E3 for that. Next up from Windows Central, the latest update for Xbox Insider Alpha Skip Ahead brand uh, has a handful of new features um, for audio on Xbox. Audio pass-through is coming to Xbox, and the innovative quick resume feature is getting some tremendous quality of life improvements. So look for those improvements soon. We'll get more details on those when they are out. Windows Central also reports that Microsoft's Xbox Series X and S uh, finally gained 
or just gained support for several new graphic features as AMD has announced that Fidelity FX effects are now available for the latest Xbox consoles. Uh, development kits with GDK, game development kits, uh, which support the Fidelity FX effects. Game developers can also contrast adaptive sharpening, variable shading, and AMD's Ray Trace Shadow uh, Denoiser uh, to games on the consoles. So look forward to more of those features being unlocked for developers, meaning our games will look and run even better in the future. Windows Central Next reports that Exile Entertainment have announced that Wasteland 3 will be getting an expansion, The Battle of Steel Town. The expansion adds new areas to Wasteland 3 for players to explore, tons of new content um, and tweaks to the base game. The expansion will be on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC on June 3rd, 2021. Next, Windows Central reports Capcom revealed a, crit- a crucial information about the second demo for Resident Evil Village uh, during their April Resident Evil showcase. They said the eighth entry in the, in the franchise will celebrate 25 years of the franchise uh, of the best horror franchise, blah, blah, blah. And it will take all new locations to where horror, blah, blah, blah. Whatever, just PR talk. Today, it was, okay, so during the event, it was revealed that players will be able to participate in a demo for Resident Evil Village starting on May 1st, 2021, so look forward to that very soon. And then our penultimate little story here from gamesindustry.biz. Focus Home Interactive have announced the acquisition of Stream on Studio. Stream on Studio? I don't know. The developers of its Warhammer 40K branded first-person shooters, Space Hulk, Deathwing and Necromunda hired gun. Deathwing debuted in 2016, sold over a million copies to date, while while hired gun was announced last month on June uh, 1st to launch on PC and Sony and Microsoft consoles later in the year uh, or at a later date. I think that's the game I saw last week that just looks fucking awesome. Kind of like a better version of Doom. Uh, Anyway, the purchase price was not disclosed at this time, but uh, who gives a shit? Big acquisition here. And then lastly, Tales of Arise, the game that has been delayed indefinitely uh, as of last year, now has a new release date. Man, this game was in day de- delayed indefinitely like last summer, so it's been a long time since we've heard about this. But it is coming to next-gen consoles and now has a date, so it's coming September 10th on Xbox One, Series X, Series S, and PC. And that is going to do it for all of our news, you guys. Now, as we wrap up the, as we wrap up the news... We got to go over the new game releases of the week, of which there are 13. So we head over to Xbox Wire, and they're going to tell us what's new on Xbox, what you can be playing. First one is Bad Dream Coma, which looks like a sketch pad with a grave on it. So I guess it's a game where you draw your own death. And it'll be The Show 21 comes April 20th. Now, I need to clarify, MLB The Show 21 is a very misleading game because a lot of people thought... It was a popular baseball franchise coming to Xbox, but this is not. This is not. That is MLB The Show. This is MLB The Show, The Show. So this is a show about the PlayStation game that will be the MLB The Show. So yes, it is on Game Pass, and yes, it is on Xbox, but it is not the game. It is a show about the game. So get excited about watching your favorite show about your favorite baseball game that's on someone else's platform, now available on Xbox. Next, Dungeon Escape is coming out. It is Super Meat Boy, but with a lower budget and coming out 10 years after the fact. Uh, MotoGP 21 comes out April 21st. It's optimized for the Series X and S, so when you get uh, Road Rash on your motorcycle, you can see that in glorious 4K with HDR. Uh, Buildings Have Feelings 2 is... uh, 
a game that would be a really bad name for a game about 9-11. Uh, Smelter is coming out April 22nd. So, hey, it's out. It's on Earth Day. Uh, Earth Day, Smelter, you know what that game's about. It's about burning down the forests. Uh, Ant Venter comes out April 23rd. It's an Xbox Play Anywhere game. So, just like ants, when they get infested, they are everywhere. So, basically, the feature to have this game be Xbox Play Anywhere is, is like you know, like ants themselves. They just uh, infest everything. Dead Dust comes out April 23rd. It is a game about murdering dust. And the thing about murdering dust is no one knows if dust is alive or dead to begin with. So this game tackles the philosophical generations-long debate of is dust dead? Uh, only way to find out is to play de- uh, Dead Dust. Uh, Dungeons and Gravestones. It looks like an iPhone game with a blur effect on it, um, but with a little bit of Minecraft. Actually kind of looks cute and fun. Not going to not going to hate on it too much, but it's a, a mystery solving puzzle dungeon Halloween looking Minecraft knockoff game. And then next Judgment comes out April 23rd. Judgment again, similar thing. A lot of people think Judgment is a spin-off to the Yakuza series. Couldn't be further from the sh- from the truth. Judgment is a TV show um, that judges or reviews the Yakuza series. So this is a show about a game series that is available on X- Xbox, but is not a game itself. It's called Judgment. You basically watch other people play Yakuza and judge the game for its own merit. But hey, it's optimized for the new consoles, so there's that. Moon Raider is a 2D game. Near Replicant version 1.22474487139 Ellipses comes out April 23rd. And if you think that was my joke for this game, that's not. That's the actual title of the fucking game. Uh, this, this, the Skylia Prophecy is another 2D game, and that is going to do it for all of our game announcements and releases for this week. As a reminder on Games with Gold for the rest of the month, you've got Vikings, Wolves of Midgar available till the 30th of the month. Truck Racing Championship available till May 15th. Dark Void, it's over. You missed it. Fuck you. And Hard Corpse Uprising available until the 30th of this month. Go ahead and download those games. And in the meantime, guys, that's going to do it for the show. I, I don't know what you want me to do here. You want me to say a joke? You want me to tell you an anecdote? You want me to tell you what's in store for next week? I don't fucking know. All I know is I'm going to stop recording now. I'm going to go edit the show, get it ready for you guys for tomorrow. And if I have enough energy and time left before I have to pass out, um, I'm going to watch some I'm gonna watch some videos on YouTube because you know what? Fuck it. I had a long day at work. I made the podcast, and now I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to eat some M&Ms. I'm going to maybe watch some YouTube videos about traveling to Japan. Maybe I'll... Maybe I'll uh, watch some uh, theme park videos. Maybe I'll, fuck it, maybe I'll do some of my coding homework. Maybe I'll just keep going on and keep working. I don't know. It doesn't matter. You're not listening. I bet you, I bet you one in 2,000, I bet you, I bet you maybe two people listen to the show even make it to this point in the podcast. You don't even fucking know what I'm talking about. I could literally call each and every one of you out by name right now and insult you, and you wouldn't even know because you didn't make it this far on the show. In fact, let's do that right now. All right, starting with Amanda A., you're dumb. Uh, let's see. Andrew B., you're dumb. Adler C., uh, you're dumb. Brian B., you're dumb. Chandler E., you're dumb. David D., you're dumb.